it it affects the edit when your like tone is like all of a sudden annoyed. Like, <laughs> relax. I'm annoyed because you've interrupted me eight I know, times. But because I did it the first time, we, we can't. I'm trying to get a clean pickup. Okay, what do you want me to say, and how do you want me to say it? This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Sea World girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Spider Man. <laughs> Where are we going today? SeaWorld! Yes. Yay! Alright, so just go be quiet for five, ten minutes and we're gonna go. Okay, so she's excited. Hey, I wanna start by uh, thanking everybody who's uh, sent in already very quickly a truckload of decal requests through the mail. <laughs> this is unbelievable. People, did, you know, it was a toy Tonka truck. I mean, they were 25 or 30, but still it was a truckload of decal requests and uh, Greg Cody showed decals, of course. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to very quickly uh, give the address again and tell you how to get a free decal. So how about that? It really was adorable to watch Greg Cody walk over to the Clevelander front desk like a kid on Christmas morning. <laughs> I mean, it, like, and the best part is that you ended up getting a bunch, but the first trip you made over there, you had one. It was like a yeah. sad experience for it you. It was pathetic. Yeah. And but and to to show an example of how excited you were, you went back a couple hours later and there happened to be a big shipload that came in. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a few dozen. You know, I, I'm not going to over exaggerate. It was 25 or 30, but that's pretty good cuz that was the first wave. Those are people who like immediately yeah. did the whole uh, snail mail thing. Oh, you've got multiple waves of this. You've got multiple waves. Right. Well, right now I've only been there for the first wave, but wow. uh, but it's been a good response. And and at the end of this podcast, uh, I'm going to give the address again in case uh, any of y'all want a free bumper sticker. One big per sh- person, please. Big one per. I thought it was two per person. It is, but I mean one request per person. You know, I'm going to stick two in the envelope, the self-addressed stamped envelope, but uh, one request per person. I'm excited. I'm excited for this show today. It's like we oh, finally have too. like we, like this is like we we got a big guest today. Yeah, it, it's a big. Uh, you all know Ted Lasso, the the great uh, Apple TV Plus uh, series that just started streaming. Uh, season two is streaming now, and um, we have the the really the the creative force behind Ted Lasso, uh, Bill Lawrence, the TV producer extraordinaire. And <laughs> you know, Bill, I, I, gosh, how do I even put this? He's like a huge fan of ours, which is super flattering. I feel like he's being nice. He's just a do nice you? guy. Yeah, well. I mean, I think he knows the Levitard show. I'm teasing. He probably, he. Res- I'm just saying, like, you know, let's not build ourselves up here. Like, he's genuinely huge fans of ours. Okay, well. I think he, he likes he, the show and he gets our role on it. Like, right. I know, okay. I'm, be- I'm cutting us down when, like, yeah, he prob- you are. he's probably being very genuine and I'm just being, you know, self-deprecating. I think, I think he is a genuine guy. Uh, that's the impression I got, you know. It, it's uh, Anyway, it, it's a great conversation. We, we look forward to that later, but. I want to um, I want to say something about Deion Sanders because it triggered something in me. Uh, Deion Sanders, prime time, you know, Neon uh, coaches Jackson State University now in football, and they, you know, all the college football teams are having their media days now, and he stormed out of a media day me- uh, session with with the media because a reporter refused to address him as coach, <laughs> which is so ridiculous. Wait, the guy refused to. 
the reporter, he insisted that the reporter refer to him as coach instead of Dion. Okay, and the reporter just laughed it off or, or just wouldn't do it. And Dion literally cut short the media session and left the room because the reporter wouldn't address him as coach. And it reminded me of the first time I ever met Don Shula, um, the great former Dolphins coach. This had to be in the late 80s, if I'm guessing. And a bunch of us are seated around uh, the St. Thomas University dining hall during the lunch break. All the reporters, all of my brethren, my colleagues, are calling him coach and being very deferential, basically kissing his ass, coach, uh, coach. I called him Don. Okay, the first time I ever asked him a question in a media setting, I said, Don, and all the other reporters are sort of looking at me and everything. And the reason I thought of that when the Deion Sanders thing came up is that years later, uh, actually, it was during the Dolphins' 50th anniversary celebration, so this would have been like five years ago, I I go to Shula's house to do a video. I'm seated in his office, and before the, the video starts, he and I are just shooting the shit and reminiscing and everything, and it came up the first time I met him, and Don Shula, who at this time was in his mid-80s, volunteered that he recalled that I was the only one in the group who called him Don instead of Coach. Like it always stuck with him? It it This, this was 20-some years later, and we were talking about the first time we met, and he volunteered that. And, and wow. I, that, yeah, it was sort of a cool moment. Uh because he said it in a way that uh, that that sort of impressed him, you know, that I wasn't. He ain't my oh, he coach, so he wasn't you know. insulted. It wasn't what he wasn't insulted. No, I think it was the opposite. He sort of that stuck with him, like he remembered that. About how old our was first he at meeting. this time? Was he a veteran, great, like one of the best coaches ever at this time, or was he just an up and coming coach? No, this was the late '80s, so he would have won both of his Super Bowls. Uh, it was, uh, Dan Marino was still in his prime. Oh, so you're kind of a jerk. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of with you on Dion because Dion, like, even though he was an all time great player is still like, you know, coming, working his way up in the ranks. Right. Like, I know it's two different stories. You're, you're, I'm way more interested in your story. Actually. I have way more, right. I have, but like just the fact that you're like, I was shooting the shit with Don Shula, like. You dropped that the other day to me with Dan Marino. You were shooting the shit with Dan Marino recently. Like you, are you overusing the term shooting the shit? Or are you uh, like, cause it seems like your life's pretty cool. Well, uh, you know, Shula and I were in his office uh, and, and it was like a 20 minute video, uh, which you can find somewhere at MiamiHerald.com. If you, oh, so you're, you know. so you're interviewing them officially. Like, yeah, but this was before the, the camera uh, started rolling. You know, of this course, was just, that's when all shooting of the shit generally takes place. Exactly. It, it, you know, we used to call it small talk before we started calling it shooting the shit. Why, do we, why do we shoot shit? That's a good question. I've never shot shit. Me neither. Never in my life. You know, I mean, right. literally, you know, why would you do that? It's not threatening you. I've, shit. I've shit shots. <laughs> there you go. The Marino thing happened... Uh, last week because I saw him at that, uh, they were introducing their new $135 million training facility. And I bumped into him. I hadn't seen him or talked to him in years. Uh, and he was, you know, very friendly to me. And he must have- That place is insane. That place looks insane. Oh my God. It's a palace. I mean, you know, not that I've surveyed every training facility in the NFL, but it's got to be state of the art. I mean, it's just fabulous. Uh, they have a slide in there, which is a thing now. Uh, to, it's a two-story weight room, 
And to get from the second floor to the first floor, you can take the stairs, of course, but there's a slide, a stainless steel slide that you can, like an amusement park type slide. And um, Google headquarters actually has one of those. I guess it's a thing now in uh, modern office buildings. I'm, know, I'm, learn I'm learning about shooting the shit. Yeah. As my, as my daughter, you know, gets ready for SeaWorld. Oh, she's excited. I'm excited because it says it says it doesn't require much skill or effort to hit the wind with a gun. So the expression goes, shoot the shit emerges in the 1940s, notably found in a letter by the author Norman Mailer. Oh, wow. The shit here may be a more intensive and alliterative substitute for breeze with the okay. shit meaning stuff, i.e. any old topic. Okay. Norman Mailer. Wow. That's uh... so shooting the shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's shooting the breeze, right? Yeah. I mean, you know. It's basically like shooting the breeze. Yeah, okay. I, I do it all the time. I just At never... first, when I first read and I thought I saw something about shooting, I thought they were talking in like, sh I thought it was like more like it's so easy to shoot shit down <laughs> like with a gun. It's so simple yeah. to do that that I don't know. I was just like. That would be so weird if anybody yeah. actually did that. Hey, uh, the Summer Olympics are underway. I, I just want to mention that because um, – you know, more than 100 U.S. athletes are unvaccinated in the middle of COVID-ravaged Tokyo. So what could possibly go wrong? How about uh, that uh, How about that opening ceremony? The opening ceremony, I got up at, uh, I think it was 6.15 a.m. Uh, to watch in Eastern time the start of the opening ceremony. And it was sad. And at one point, um, they had a, not that there was anybody, there were no fans there. You know, obviously all the athletes and the flag bearers and everything were there, but very it was an empty stadium other than that. And at one point, they paused everything. They stopped the music. They had a moment of silence for all the COVID uh, victims who had died uh, in the past year plus. The TV guys later mentioned that during that moment of silence, you could hear the protests outside the stadium of people because Tokyo doesn't want these Olympics. I mean, even though they've started now, they want it right up until the last minute. They wanted these games canceled. And so you could hear the protests during the moment of silence. It's just such a bizarre tableau, you know, just a crazy pandemic Olympics that are underway. Now I'm, I'm more fascinated just to watch the pandemic element of the whole thing than, than the actual athletic competition. It's bizarre. I couldn't disagree more. Yeah. I just, I'm good just watching the sports. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's uh, it's real life. Like, like, I mean, like, I mean Dad, but it's like it's one of those things where it's like, are we talking out of both sides of our mouths? Like, you know, like we were at a soccer game the other day. Like, like we're like you're like we're kind of just living our lives. Like, I know, like if we have to put masks back on, I'm cool with that. I'm just saying, like, you can't like you're like sitting here like holding up like your fists. Like, people need to go be careful. COVID, and then you're at a soccer game. So it's like. It just seems a little like, you know, like you're you're on your high horse here, but you're not really like that concerned about it. I think the I think the summer game should have been postponed yet again. They were postponed from last year to this summer and and they should have been postponed again. But why would you go to a soccer game? Why would you go to a soccer game the other day if you were that like worried about this thing? Well, I'm vaccinated and, uh, you know. Right. And so are a lot of people. So we're 48.8% of Americans, meaning more than half of the country is not vaccinated. And, you know, it's got, I don't want to get real political here, right. but when the Republican governor of Alabama comes out and says, essentially, the blame right now for this ongoing pandemic is on unvaccinated folks. When the Republican governor of a deep South state 
says that. I think maybe we need to start paying attention. I'm just saying, like, uh, like you know, I'm cool with sports still happening. I like sports. Yeah. Okay, I, I, you know, yeah, I am, I am too. Like, uh, take the crowds away. Didn't they take the crowds away? They did. Yeah. There's so, no like, crowds. Well, like, is it that? Like, you know, like what they're doing is safer than what a lot of like, you know, like. You know, it's not a super, right. I mean, maybe it's a super spreader event. Like the Milwaukee Bucks championship celebration is a lot more worrisome to me than the Olympics. Because the Olympics, because the Olympics, there's a lot of testing. There's a lot of like, I'm sure they're going to be wearing masks when they're not, you know what I mean? So it's like, I, you know, there's a lot of shit in the world. Like, let me yeah. just have the Olympics. And oh, that's fair. That's fair. And speaking of, uh, before we get off this topic and, and get to Bill Lawrence and other stuff, um, the NFL is is putting the hammer down on players who are not vaccinated. The, the latest thing is that teams now face the forfeiture of a game, an automatic loss if there's a COVID outbreak within their team. That's pretty wild. Of, of unvaccinated players. That's basically it is pretty wild. George Sedano penalty. He like, we made fun of George Sedano at the beginning of the pandemic because he said that Rudy Gobert should get suspended for like what he did and basically getting COVID and because he did the thing with the mics. Remember, like it was like right. the beginning of COVID. Oh, yeah, right, right. And Jorge was like, he should be suspended. And we like <laughs> made fun of him. It's like for getting sick. And right. Uh, so, yeah, like that's basically what this rule is. Hey, because anyone can get COVID like for like, you know what I mean? It's no. And frankly, even if you're vaccinated, there's there's still a chance that you'll get it. But and, and not only do these teams face forfeiture, but um Player, if, if a game is forfeited, players on neither team get paid uh, for playing in, for, for that game. So it's uh, basically it's putting a lot of pressure on Cole Beasley and the other uh, anti-vax crowd in the NFL to, to fall in line. But we'll see if it happens. Let's get to Bill Lawrence. Yeah, please, because uh, I, I didn't mean to veer off into political talk. I know people hate that, except I don't. And it's my podcast. So here's Bill Lawrence. He was great. Listen. Hey guys, what Bill? up? Uh, how are you, man? Fantastic. You must feel like a, a, a new father who just gave birth when a when a <laughs> when a show premieres. I mean, that's got to be exciting. Tell us how that feels. Yeah. All right. Well, there's got to be some hellos first, Craig. I'll dive right in, man. I know. Jeez. Jeez, dude. We're so casual around here. I, Look, I mean, oh. can tell you too. It's so nice to have guys that want to have me on spot instead of Dan. And the joke's always like, I'm never going to get to you, man. I'm yeah. very very excited. You please tell Dan this is the respect that I expect to be treated with. Yes. Right. Next time no, I to talk to him. This uh, is ultimate respect. I'm telling you. Uh, hey, by the way, and also a uh, uh, big fan of both you fellas. I, um, um, uh, Greg, I got to talk to your son a little bit on social media during all that stuff and got to know him before I knew you, but man, I enjoyed, I told Dan back in the day, um, the very, the kind of the same game of you missing the, uh, uh, the time Our network out. out. Yeah. Uh, my favorite game at college, and I couldn't. It, it's one of the things I loved about your appearances was I went to school with William and Mary, which is Colonial Williamsburg, and there was all this colonial garb and oxes and horses in the street and shit, and that meant there was horse manure everywhere. And the game at that college, if you were with a buddy walking to class, if you saw horse manure, you would try to get his attention so that he would walk into it. And it was four <laughs> years of going like, "Hey, how's it going with that girl you really like?" And he's like, I told you this last night, man. Why do you ask? I just really interested. Your goal is just to get him to just walk through it, man. And it just—it's it, so so nostalgic for me that the those old bits. Anyway, 
Uh, I'm happy to talk about anything you guys want. And I'll, uh, no question is off limits. Bill, um, the, I think the last time you and I shared the same air, it was during that Levitar 24-hour freedom or thing. And uh, at the time, you were having some sort of a beef with rival TV producer Mike Shore. And I just <laughs> want to tell you, uh, so that, that there's no doubt, Bill, uh, Bill Lawrence, not Mike Shore, is the official TV producer of the Greg Cody Show podcast. Yeah, see, there you go. Okay. <laughs> For me, at this point in my career, guys, it's about respect. Exactly. exactly. And so I, I don't need to be treated like I'm special, but with common decency. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know? And, and yeah, by it, the way, and by the way, for sure to like the Red Sox too, it just makes it <laughs> worse. I, mean, I just hate them so much. And the Celtics, they can all die. I just, it's a lifelong Sixers fan, lifelong okay. Sixers fan. It's no good, right. man. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> you know, Sixers fan, you admit that? I mean, I do. And uh, <laughs> Mike, uh, Mike Ryan tortured me, man. It's bad. Oof. Yeah. Um, Bill. I can't tell you how much of a fan of Ted Lasso I am. Um, when, when I fall in love with a TV show, I genuinely become a fanboy, and there aren't that many. Shameless was a series. Uh, Shit's Creek, I adore. I don't know what it is about Ted Lasso, but you're, you, you just began season two. Um, there's a season three that's going to be in the works, I would imagine, soon. Yeah. Uh, when, when you all created Ted Lasso, uh, do you ever have a, 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 a feeling of this is going to be a big hit or – no, I don't know about this series. <laughs> you know, uh, look, you know, if people knew what hits were, they wouldn't have. Like for me personally, I have a ton of stinkers back there, Greg. And, and, I wasn't going to uh, mention that. Yeah, but that's so mean. The respect. <laughs> no, the, the, uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm very lucky that most of my really embarrassing shows were so bad that they never got on TV. You know, um, uh, so you never have any clue what's going to work and, and what doesn't. I've been, I've been lucky enough that a, a bunch of things in my career have worked. This one was weird because I'll tell you, and I think the story behind successful shows for everybody always has a similar story in that the reasons you were doing it were not chasing dough, success, money, whatever, is um, uh, I was at a, you, it, me, Jason Sudeikis, a bunch of the other writers, we're all kind of, as everybody was, at a shitty place um, in terms of, you know, we were talking about Ted Lasso, we were talking about how toxic, um, there was no pandemic yet, but how to toxic the discourse had become, you know, especially people that are obligated sometimes to live on social media to support, you know, their programs and market right. stuff. Um, and my daughter's in that world, you know, she's a, 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 I found it so gross and overwhelmingly negative that uh, I had a bad moment with one of my daughter's friends. Um, is nonpartisan. She has a friend who's an activist and really wants to go into politics. And I've reached the point that anybody that wanted to go into politics, I immediately assume that they're, you know, yeah. he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, so you want to be just some kind of con grifter type person or whatever. And I was a young person that was actually hoping to make a difference. I felt awful. Do you know what I mean? And uh, uh, so the real thing behind Ted Lasso was we you never know shows are going to work. And we're like, man, wouldn't it be good to have a work experience that was kind of therapeutic? And it was about forgiveness and empathy and mentorship so that um, even if it doesn't work, you know, we're grateful for the experience. And it, 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 Jason Sudeikis had the same attitude. And my joke among my friends for years 
was that uh, I always wanted my production company to be called Noble Failure Productions. <laughs> Just so, worst case scenario, it's something you can show your family and friends without feeling horrible about yourself, you know? Right, right. Um, so that was really kind of the genesis behind it. We had no idea it would work, and we're freaked out when it started. Now, Ted Lasso, this character obviously was created through these Premier League ads, and that's where the actual character was created. But obviously, you took it creatively and turned him into an actual character. And I'm wondering, because in those original ads, he's very he's more gruff than his actual character is. And I'm just wondering, you just described you were trying to do a feel-good show. But I'm trying to think, like, we're... Did you consciously say I'm going to create the nicest character ever, or did that just kind of take, or did that just like take on, like it just kind of you stumbled into that kind of? That's a good question. All right, so a couple of things. First, Sudeikis and his buddies Brennan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard, and Joe Kelly, who's one of the other writers, me and cool writing staff, they created Ted Lasso. And amongst comedy writers, you guys, I don't know how many people in the sports world saw it. They weren't really considered commercials. They were considered these really kind of funny, viral, promotional films to promote the Premier League. Right. right. But, you know, when Jason first came to me, I'd already seen those things. I didn't know if this could be a TV show because he was very loud. Yeah. Um, it was a sketch. He was, was Jason's SNL writer before he was a cast member. And right. these were hysterical sketches, you know. Oh. The coach doesn't know anything about the game. But part of the pitch when Jason came to me is he said, uh, um, hey, man, we're going to make uh, this character have a lot more depth and uh, uh, undercurrent of uh, uh, emotions. He's dealing with some pathos. And um, we started talking about, you know, where we were in the world. You know, we said something I said to people before. If I met Ted Lasso in real life back then, my first assumption would be, let's wait for a week until this guy reveals himself to be an asshole like everybody. Yeah. Right? You know, and then if he doesn't and he reveals himself to be empathetic and kind and mentory and cool, then you have to look at yourself and go, man, where have I gotten to? Uh, <laughs> my assumption is that this nice dude is a piece of shit, you know? Uh, right. And uh, uh, that was kind of the core of what we wanted to do from the start. And Jason, even police is in the room. Just so we're careful, guy. You guys watch TV. Uh, I'm a comedy writer. I love snarky comedy. I tell people the show Veep is my favorite. Oh, it's so good. Oh, dude, and that show, I think I've said this, that show is just people figuring out different ways to be horrible to each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, it's fantastic, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we were trying something different with this one. Um, Bill, the Emmy nomination just came out, and it was astounding. Uh, the show, Ted Lasso, is nominated for Best Comedy, Jason Sudeikis for Best Lead Actor, and this is what blew me away. You have six nominations for supporting actors and actresses, which basically means your entire ensemble cast has been nominated for an Emmy. That's, is that unprecedented? I mean, has that ever happened where you've had like eight nominations? For, did that happen with Scrubs or Spin City? No, nah, you look, you know, uh, uh, awards are so weird, man. It looks, <laughs> spin, uh, uh, we call it Spin Shitty, lovingly. Spin City, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike won a bunch of awards and he should have used, you know, for our generation, I'm going to put myself uh, closer to your dad than you, Chris. Um, uh, you know, Mike was the modern day Jack Benny with his timing, you know, and his ability and stuff like that. Yeah. I He'd get work. the Jack Benny reference, by the way. Yeah, no, way, way to go, man. He would wait, wait and wait and wait. Um, the, uh, uh, and Scrubs got a bunch of awards, you know, but we always kind of felt we were an underdog. Um, awards are tricky because... Uh, first of all, yeah, uh, the coolest thing is that all these cast members, all these writers, 
editors, everybody. It's super funny, if fun if you're uh, doing your job like a team sport and everybody on the team gets acknowledged, you know? Right, um, right. So for us, it's an absolute blast. I don't know how common it is. I don't generally follow these things. The, uh, the needle to thread, though, is, you know, you guys know, the Ted Lasso way, the whole zeitgeist of the show would be to not give a crap about awards. Right. You're in this weird place right now of having to pretend that you don't care and secretly enjoying all the hoopla because it is yeah. fun and you'd be, uh, I'd be disingenuous if I, I didn't say it, if it was. But um, man, I, I will say that we all care a ton more about um, getting to keep doing the gig and that fans seem to dig the show than any of that award stuff. And, and uh, I mean, that kind of uh, ethos has been established from the second Jason won the um, Golden Globe and <laughs> was wearing a tie-dye hoodie, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. He was vibing. Um, do you ever watch old shows of yours, whether it's Ted Lasso for season one or old shows, and you just like happen to notice like a little a production mistake, and you're like, oh, I wish I could fix that? Dude, I'm tortured. By <laughs> uh, there's two problems with watching old shows. Is one... Um, my kids, I got, I got two, I got a daughter who's 21 and killing it out in the world. And I got an 18 year old boy and a 15 year old boy. And they're so blissfully dumb. Um, it's like, like, come on guys. Same way I was. So it's not an insult. Me too. That's I'm right there with them. You're still there. uh, Thank you. I watched an old show. Like I was watching spin city. Um, just checking it out. And, uh, my youngest son was like, was this on TV? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what do you think I made it for people in my garage? <laughs> yeah, man, this is, on, this is on television. This is people watch this, um, and uh, it's so sad, right? And and yeah, as a guy that uh, uh, I, I can't, I'll give you an example. Scrubs uh, was uh, before. There's a lot of single camera comedies. You guys know what that means? Yeah, all, yeah. Cheers, Mary Tyler Moore, all that stuff, and. Uh, they didn't think it was going to be funny and energetic enough. So in the first few episodes of that show, there's crazy sound effects. Every time John McGinley turns his head, you hear like, (laughs) and it was, it was like, it was partially so that the executives at NBC at the time would be like, Hey, this is pretty interesting. Um, And I hated them so much that they just disappeared with no explanation after four episodes. So if I ever see those ever again, it makes my teeth hurt, man. I'm like, what was I doing? Uh, Um, are are you a red carpet guy? Like the the Emmys are in September. Will you go to the show? And yeah, I'll go. Uh, by the way, it's that it's that needle to thread, man. Uh, I'll pretend that I'm too cool for school and I'll go to it. Um, I hate getting my picture taken. I'm a writer for a reason. Right. Um, I'm married to a woman that was a uh, a lead of a uh, uh, sitcom, different different TV show for, for 21 straight years. My wife. She was mm. the star of the Drew Carey show. Oh. One of the stars of Scrubs, and then uh, star of a show called Cougar Town that I did. And then uh, um, uh, I'll tell you my my biggest memory is like when I was first dating her. We had to go to the uh, this is what it is to be a writer. So we had to go to the Golden Globes. I think her show was nominated, and Drew Carey and Spin City was nominated as a date. Because I was in a tux and she looked pretty. You step out on the red carpet, and the people before us have to wait. You feel like an idiot. No one cared. Uh, when I when I get my picture now, people are like this way, this way, this way. I go, no one gives a shit. I'm like, <laughs> well, this will never be anywhere. This will never be anywhere. And so the uh, uh, anyways, that first date, I remember that we stepped out in the red carpet in all as a couple, and all the flashes stopped. And I was dumb back then, and I my head went, oh, it's gonna suck for her that nobody cares about her the same way they do about the other actors and actresses, you know. 
And then I looked up, and all of the photographers were looking at me going like this. <laughs> I, I, literally, I literally did, did one of the... That's so good. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it was like... <laughs> I'm like, ah, all right, I get That's it. perfect. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go, I'll drink a bunch of uh, sneaky, and um, uh, in my old shows, we were always famous for... Um, uh, and we did it for the joke of it because none of us cared that much. If a big award came up and we lost, as a group, we would always get up <laughs> and go to a restaurant and hit some drinks and stuff. Right. That's yeah. great. Bill, how, how does the seating work at an award show? Ooh, the hierarchy. Is, is there lobbying? Agents are lobbying behind the scenes to make sure that you're seated in a row uh, in front that, of Mike Shore. How does that work? I know, by the way, if that's uh, uh, it's, it's one thing in my rider is <laughs> In front of my, he should be, you should either be behind me or in front of me in a seat that's a little smaller. So <laughs> right. Yes. It just looks smaller. You know exactly. I mean? No, you know what? The seating thing is never, nobody gives a shit as much as the, uh, in the old days, the angling I used to see was when you got nominated for stuff. The amount of people that would call that are getting in there subtle, make sure you name check me if you win type stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Um, so that's why, by the way, you guys have seen it. That's why when someone goes up there, they're like, also, I'd like to thank Joe, blah, blah, blah. My yeah. Right. So it's more about, it's more watching people try to walk that tightrope of going like, hey, buddy, and try to pretend that they don't want to just remind you to say their name. Yeah. You mentioned being a writer and how no one gives a shit about you, but you also are like the creator or one of the creators of this like monster show right now. So your level of celebrity, it's kind of probably, you know, there's probably a ton of people that recognize you, but then there's probably people that know your name, but don't know what you look like. Have, do you have any funny stories of like, uh, being mistaken for somebody else famous or somebody taking a picture with you and then somebody's like, Oh, who's that famous? Like, you know I mean? Just funny interactions because of your uh, yeah, level of fame. The weirdest thing for me so far, has been, and, and, I, and I know a lot of these guys, there's a family of uh, comedic actors that we all look like we could be brothers and all work on the same set. So for me, the biggest ones were, when I wrote on the first year of Friends, people thought I was Matthew Perry's fatter older brother, and skinnier younger brother, and then skinnier older brother, and then skinnier, you know, your fatter older brother, whatever, just went back and forth. And so my wife calls like her tribe of guys that she thinks are, I guess, it's fairly uh, uh, dateable. It's like me, Matthew Perry, Jason Bateman, Nathan Fillion. If we were standing in a line and said we we're all from the same family on the East Coast, you'd buy it. Um, yeah. the, the, yeah. the thing that I enjoy the most that I get recognized for the most, which is going to sound weird, is I love, you know, I've stayed really close with a lot of people I've worked with. and. Um, I love it when they do well, and then I love cartoonishly taking credit for their work that I have nothing to do with. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do, and I'm always Great. going to cheap. So Zach Braff and Donald Faison have uh, a podcast, very successful, yep. um, and it's about Scrubs, and they made the mistake of having me on the first year, and having me on a bunch. And the first time I went on, I took the time to say... Um, I'm so grateful that these guys agreed to host my podcast. You know, everybody, please let me know if you've got any criticisms or critiques of the two of them. And, uh, uh, and, and hey, take the time to let Zach Raff know if yeah. you the podcast. You know, and uh, uh, the point of that is we went to a Dodgers game and so many of their huge fan base enjoy poking them. And Zach was with me. Bill's podcast. Kid walked up to me and didn't look at Zach and went, just wanted to tell you I really love your podcast. <laughs> 
he walked away, and I was like, <laughs> "You could not have paid him to do that any better." No. By the way, and Zach went into a baseball game like that guy. No, that that Bill, uh, we didn't mean to keep you this long, and we're going to let you go. I I have one. Um, uh, I, I wondered. I've been meaning to ask you this. You know, the Greg Cody show happens to have brand new professionally made decals. <laughs> Sad oh, I like decals. that. I like that. Yeah, and here's what I'm picturing. Oh God, oh, I know. Uh, I know where this is going. I can't I, by the way, I see it on a jersey. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, maybe the Greg Cody show could could sponsor. You know, the AFC Richmond Good Greyhounds. Um, maybe you know, I'm picturing. I'm picturing this in Roy Kent's. Uh, inconspicuously, but conspicuously enough to be seen yeah. in Roy Kent's locker during season three, maybe? <laughs> By the way, this think? is really interesting because no one's approached us about doing stuff on the show. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no one this big, Bill. No one this big. <laughs> this is the, the Greg Cody Show podcast, I feel like would really elevate the stature no, no, of... I get it, I get it. It says something for <laughs> sports fans out there. Look, exactly. we'll start with a sticker exchange because we got stuff too, and uh, uh, we'll we'll do a little swag exchange. Mm -hmm. uh, That'd be great. My my, all of our stickers and a few jerseys for I guess I'm assuming your one sticker is that the trick? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is it. That that's an, our entire merch store is what you're looking at right now. <laughs> so shameless. Yeah. But, um, by the way, that trade, the, the way to make that happen is is if there could even be, even if no one sees it, a little picture of me next to a little picture of Sher with an X through him <laughs> yeah. in your place, then I'm good to go, man. That's part yeah, of it. We're going we're gonna to make that happen. By the way, people can go on Twitter at uh, AFC Richmond and, and get to all the merchandise for the show. Um, I have to tell you, before we let you go. Are you just going to keep doing that thing where you say before we let you go for like, like 10 it, minutes? Man. I like this, it. But I, I want to have a heartfelt uh, uh, dismount here because Ted Lasso to me was was made for the times. It's an anecdote. And, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, but this was a series born into the pandemic and all this racial strife and all this discord. And Ted Lasso is a character that just delights me every week. And it's uh, I know it's a comedy series, but it's more than a comedy to me. It, it's so you know, his character is so layered. Uh, how would you describe the series beyond just a comedy? Like, is there a, a phrase for it in TV? Uh, there's not a phrase for it, but I wanted to say, first off, I'm not good at this when people say nice things. You guys have been very kind, not only you two, but some of your coworkers. I really appreciate it. And it means more to me than I'm emotionally qualified to let people know because I'm not that deep, although I'm trying. Uh, and uh, look, man, it, it, I think for me, um, I like writing about people that are trying to, even back in Scrubs, you know, that are trying to be of service and trying to bring a little better flavor, you know, into the world around them because I'm trying to do it myself on a daily basis. And I don't say that in a self-aggrandizing way. I say that because we all know it's a struggle, you know. It's a struggle for me this morning. Is somebody went to get coffee in front of me, and I'm like, know what you want before you get there. You've been in yeah. line 10 minutes. Yeah. And I, and I feel like... Do I want oat milk? Do I like almond? I'm like, it feels like shit you could have done for the last 15 minutes. And so annoying. It's a day-to-day struggle for all of us, you know, and I don't know if there's a type of show this is, but I like aspirational stuff. And I like trying to set the bar, you know, to a level that, you know, we ourselves can't always hit, you know, as people, but we're trying. Bill, you gave us more time than we deserve in a very busy time in your life and career, and we really appreciate it. Uh, Ted Lasso, season two now, streaming on Apple TV, TV Plus, and 
it's it's a great great show and i i mean that with all my heart and uh bill really appreciate you being on with us hey appreciate you guys and uh remain a big fan um Thanks. this show not of dan's of this show okay yes. that's what we uh, like to hear <laughs> <laughs> yeah and remember sneak that sticker into roy kent's locker will be appreciated if that shows up somewhere a we're not going to tell anybody because yeah. there's too much red tape just yeah. look for it there's a, there's i'd say there's almost a 10% chance. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, that's good enough. I'm looking it's got to be one of those of me walking through a set and just casually doing that and hoping no one sees it. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Bill. See you guys. Thank you, Bill. It was fun, guys. Thank you. It's the sight, the sound, the smell of it. Morning, night, or noon. It's the feeling you're always welcome. And when you leave, We'll see you soon It's the place you always go to When you're with friends or you're all alone It's the taste of Nelly's Step back in time when you step into Nelly's Diner. It's the only place in town that tastes Wild Bill Cody's Bison Burger, Deep Fried and Nana's 100-Year-Old Lard. Or try a tall stack of our award-winning PFBI pancakes. Dig into the signature thang a thang salad. Or try an Uncle Dick footlong. Anything you want and anytime you want it, we got it. All served up with a free side of smiles. We are right where we've been for 60 years at 1440 Zagaki Street downtown. Nelly's Diner. It's the taste of home you never had because your mom sucked at cooking. It's the taste of Nelly's Diner that makes you feel at home. I'm going to go ahead and put it at a half a percent chance that we one day see. And you know what? A quarter of a percentage. Oh, hang on. Up, landline. Hang on. Leaving it in. All right. I'm going to say that it's a quarter of a percentage chance that we get a Greg Cody decal in an episode of Ted Lasso. I'm going to go further. Uh, I'm going to put it at about a 15% chance that when Bill Lawrence is at the Emmy Awards accepting uh, the award for best comedy series for Ted Lasso in September, that he's going to shout us out. He's going to name drop the Greg Cody show in his acceptance speech. That's what's going to happen. I'm... I honestly think that's more likely than getting a decal. <laughs> you know, he mentioned red tape, and I can imagine that that's not something he can just go around like dropping things in scenes. Like, yeah, he can. He's a goddamn producer. Oh wow! All right. I well, mean, the gauntlet on. has been laid. Bill, you have the power. Do you, Use it. Do you lay gauntlets? Like, what happened? Like, why did lay I lay down the gauntlet? Said the gauntlet has been laid. All right. So yeah, I did use it right. I was gonna go down another rabbit hole of why do we lay gauntlets down, but I'm tired. So I let's thought just a gauntlet, th- now that I use the phrase, I thought a gauntlet was something you ran through, like you were running through a gauntlet. Uh, no? Do I have to look this up? All right. You know what? Uh, I might look it up. We have some sound here that we want to play of me and you out at the Inter-Miami game. We had oh a good boy. time last oh, week. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, you know, may have gotten after it a little bit. Yeah. Here it is. It was fun. <laughs> Inter-Miami's not good, and you're going to hear that here. Wow. All right. We're at the Inter Miami game. They stink. Greg, your thoughts? I mean, they just gave up a goal. They're down one nil. Uh, if they lose, this will be their sixth loss in a row. It's we heard booing after the first goal was let up. If you know, this has been a colossal 
uh, failure of the David Beckham launch of this franchise. I just I'm I'm baffled because like it's a Wednesday night. There shouldn't be a lot of people here. As they, we almost give up another goal. Nope. And it's just like. This team does not deserve the turnout so far. Like, I feel like with... Yep, you can hear it, folks. With six straight losses, I know, like, South Florida fans get a lot of shit for being shitty. But, like, this is impressive, the support that this team has gotten despite six straight losses. People people want to love this team. South Florida is poised to love this team and embrace it. Uh, when, this, when Miami got an MLSC team a, a couple of years ago uh, I wrote that it, it was poised to become the third biggest team right after the Dolphins and Heat but it has to work to get that and right now you know the losing is uh, untenable me and you we've had a day like we got out here a little early we tailgated how are you feeling right now I'm feeling rosy man rosy I feel like you did well we just did about two minutes of content as the team continues to stink and there wasn't really a time where I was like, all right, he's a little too hammered, even though me and you, we've been getting after it. We've been getting after it. Uh, we started with a pregame, and then we're in the game. And I love the idea of you saying we started with a pregame. Like, what is a pregame to Greg Cody? Well, I mean, we, you know, I had a beer before we left the house, but uh, I haven't revealed to you until now. We got a Hooters. We caught a couple of Hooters beers. <laughs> we got a Hooters. Yeah. But we're having fun. It's windy. It's a uh, 2-0 New England revolution in the uh, 30th minute. Sad. It is sad. sad. It's Greg Cody's first game. The supporter section is bringing it, but they are not getting, uh, you know, adequate whatever they're getting. Sad. All right, well, we'll check back maybe in the second half with a better report, but it, it's not going well so far. Uh, all right. Nice job with you. Ooh! I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, it is 4-0 in the middle. Like, the first half is about to end. What are your thoughts? I mean, Inter-Miami should be ashamed of themselves, to use those two gods phrase. I mean, it's ridiculous. This is insane. They're at home. Are you emotional right now? I mean, they're at home. They've lost five games in a row, and they're laying down. They're laying supine. It's 4-0, and it's halftime. They're losing 4-0. It's ridiculous. It's inexcusable. David Beckham right now should be ashamed. He really should. I mean, he, the, the, the whole launch of Inter-Miami the past two years has been a nightmare. All right, the crowd is now rushing to the, you know, out of their seats. Can we, like, let's go now and get a drink? Like, this is painful. Yeah. I mean, we think the crowd is leaving because they're so disgusted. But, of course, they're Hear leaving to get more beer. This is crazy. I mean, it's too- All right, let's go get a drink. Let's go. Hello. Okay, that was a fun night. Inter-Miami stinks. Yeah. And speaking of things that stink, (laughs) here's the new Mount Greg Moore. I want to jump in one more time, and this is on air. Yeah, because you don't interrupt me enough. My dad is so mad at me right now because this is like his fifth take trying to start Mount Gregmore, and he keeps doing something that makes me stop him. So you haven't heard any of it. Like you're, this is the first one you're hearing. But that's why there's. That's why I was just laughing right there. It's because my dad is infuriated with me right now, and it's funny. Yeah, very annoying. Um, Okay, here's the Mount (laughs) Gregmore of summer Olympic sports. I would do away with. Okay. Honorable mention. 
Two of the newly added sports, surfing and skateboarding. How'd surfing get added? Is Mike Love of the Beach Boys running the IOC? And nobody over the age of 16 should be caught dead riding a skateboard, by the way. Number five. <laughs> Jesus. Yachting. That's right. I said it like a rich guy. Yachting. There's, there's already sailing. Why'd they add a little Lord Fauntleroy rich man's non-sport with a ostentatious vessel? Does all the work. You you love a little Lord Fauntleroy reference. I do. Yeah, yeah. Google it. It's fun. Number four, trampoline. Keep it in the backyard, Jack. It's cheating. It's like putting jetpacks on a sprinter. <laughs> Number three. I love that you're doing this like it's a stand-up set right now, and I like it. <laughs> Equestrian. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you Tip your waiters. <laughs> Number three, equestrian. We'll keep this sport on one condition. If the medals go around the horse's neck and the four-legged nags who do all the work get to be on the medal stand. You, I mean, I know this is a bad thing to say, but like yeah. y- you watch horse, that type of thing for the falls, right? It's kind of like NASCAR. It's yeah. And, and a fall can be deadly to a horse. So I know. Sort of. I see. Now I feel like a jerk. Yeah. Number two, artistic swimming, formerly known as synchronized swimming. Oh, I like this. I like this. This is where two look-alike women with nose clips mirror each other with the exact same routine. We should try to do it's that. Creepy. It's creepy. We should do. We should go out in the pool and have my wife videotape me and you trying to do a synchronized dance routine. Wow, that would be that would be <laughs> that would be funny. We should do that. We'll put it on TikTok. By the way, the Greg Cody show's on TikTok now, and I have no idea why. Oh, yes. Check out our TikTok. Um, number one, the number one Olympic sport I would do away with, modern pentathlon. <laughs> what kind of an acid trip was the inventor of this sport on? It involves five things that have absolutely nothing to do with one another. Swimming, fencing, equestrian, and the combination of, get this, pistol shooting while running. You know what? Shooting a gun while running sounds like criminal behavior. Not something you should get a medal for. This was good. I like Thank this you. one. Okay. See, I'm not always mean. No, you're not. I made. I, I, th- I think I made an insensitive joke about horses somewhere in there. But Yeah, yeah, you did. But uh, hey, thanks to another award-winning Mount Gregmore. Uh, stay safe, Tokyo. And let's go States. So you just had to finish your little spiel there that I interrupted, That's right. I interrupted you That's again. Right. Yeah, you did. You're an interrupter. We've gotten a couple of comments. You know, as you know, you should subscribe, rate, review, listen. Not subscribe, but follow, listen, do do anything you do. And uh, a couple of um, comments have said that uh, you're an interrupter, but that's oh, okay. So, so, like, two so two tweets in, like, the year and a half we've been doing this? Yeah, pretty much. Well, Those are know, the ones that stick with you. You know, the job of the producer is to speak for the audience, and there's times where Greg Cody needs a little interrupted in his life. That's fair. Um by the way, before we uh, you bid hear my do, daughter walking up the stairs, like nobody can walk up stairs. <laughs> Grace Lynn, come downstairs. Let's listen. Come here. Mommy. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's funny. <laughs> like, I mean, what she weigh? Forty pounds? She's she sounds like a hundred and. She has not learned subtlety yet. No, it's not a yeah. Anyways, can I get out of here? My, my house is yeah, about to please. explode. Uh, okay, we're, yeah, we're going to go. I want to give the address real quick. If you want a free decal, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Greg Cody, care of Lebatard Show, 
the Clevelander, 1020 Ocean Drive, Miami Beach, Florida, 33139. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, podcast family. Thank you, Dominican Republic, Portugal, and Philippines for supporting us uh, so much. You get really hot there. You got really hot there. You I'm explain. hot under the collar, and I'm not even wearing a collar. I'm wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> hey, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you all next week. The end.